Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, in our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did, and we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other, so we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look. So apparently grandparents as caregivers or babysitters aren't that uncommon anymore. Okay. Yeah. According to the census data, I was doing some research, nationally 5.7 million children younger than 18 are living in grandparent-headed households. Like living in houses with their grandparents. Wow. Yes. Okay. So according to the AARP, the average age someone becomes a first-time grandparent is 50 years old. That's crazy. I know. Because um, oh, we're not, <laughs> we are not there yet. Um, That's it, frightening to me, that idea. But. Yes. and But in this survey they conducted, 38% of grandparents are babysitters or day caregivers to their grandchildren. And of that 38%, 11% actually even live in the homes with their grandkids. So, yeah. So my, my thought is, at first I thought maybe it's just daycare, but these are multi-generational Living yes. situations, environments, yeah. I think actually with like dual income families, you know, both moms and dads working, grandparents are probably key helpers in that equation. I know that when um, my kids were little, um, I was working part time from home and I would enlist my, my mom to come down and watch the kids. Um, originally, it was just my daughter. But um, so we rarely hired a babysitter. I would just call on mom because I was like, hey. My parents like to spend time with them. Uh, you know, I, it's free babysitting. Like, it's a, it's a win-win. Did you do the same thing? I forget. Yeah, when I went back to work after Sophie was born, my mom would come down and stay two days with us. I would work sort of those two days in a row, like 10-hour days, so that I could get it all together. In. Yep. And she would spend the night. And um, it was good. Um, until would, it wasn't? Until it wasn't. So I would bring Sophie down to my mom's bed and they would snuggle and it was great. My yeah. mom, you know, sang songs to her. But um, then eventually my mom started sort of gently telling me everything I was doing wrong. And, um, you know, we've talked about this. I had a hard time with postpartum anyway. Yes. So it, it became a um, it became a situation where I was like, I, you know, I think I have to fire her. And, you know, <laughs> so we didn't. You know, I didn't fire her, but right. I, we just decided that I'd, I'd rather pay a stranger than come home and feel criticized um, after a long day of working and being away from the baby and, and then and then coming home and feeling not good. Right. Um, it just made more sense for me to be able to pay someone to do what I wanted. Exactly. Well, that that kind of lends into what um, I was recently out with a bunch of friends and um, one of my friends was talking about their sister who uses their mom as the babysitter nanny slash nanny and that he 
I think they said it was incredibly complicated and sticky is how they explained it and kind of stressful for like the entire family because it, it changed the dynamic not only for his sister, but him as well and how they all, you know, get along, I guess. And so he, they didn't really get into a lot of details there, but um, with all the kids that I see getting dropped off at ballet, when, like when the kids were younger, like I would go to ballet or dance and there was... Obviously, they were the grandparents dropping them off. I see that very often. I'm hoping that there's no one out there thinking that I'm the grandparent. (laughs) (laughs) But I know I've seen plenty of grandparents pick up and drop off. And I've I've been jealous because I'm like, wow, that's so convenient. But I also know that it comes with wrinkles. Yes. Not just the grandma. (laughs) Not just grandma wrinkles. Yeah. So to talk about this, we called Susan Newman. She's a social psychologist and author of more than 15 books. She's a parenting expert and um, her research has covered topics like family bonds, grandparenting, relationships between adult children and their parents. And it just lended itself to, you know, when I, I mentioned to you that we should talk about grandparents as as babysitters, nannies, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought that she would be a great guest. So thanks for joining us, Susan. Good to be here. So one of your book titles literally is called Under One Roof Again, and it talks about kind of the sensitive issues that inevitably happen when you're kind of going from a parent-child relationship to an adult, like now I'm the adult as well, and it's an adult-adult one. Um, And that's kind of notable, I thought, because... You know, at some point when you start raising your own family, you're you're not you're not their child anymore. You're like the you're a mom too, and you're the head of your own household. Was your book born out of things you were seeing in your practice or trends you saw with working families? Well, it was it was born out of that, but it was really born out of this uh, multi generational living trend, and things change when you're an adult child because you've spent your whole life seeking your parents' approval. And now, all of a sudden, you have children of your own, and you're living in the same house. And even if you're not, even if the grandparents are coming in every morning to um, babysit or do child care for you, it's still hard to say no to them. And that's why you have to really realize, um, and this is so hard for adult children, that you are the adult, you are now a parent, and in these instances, when they are caring for your child, you're going to want to and often have to, i.e. the sticky situations you meant, have to say no to them. Yeah. Well, you wrote a book about that, too, right? The book of no? I did. The book of no, and for people who slip back into that mommy, child, ten-year-old self role, um, there's a lot of lessons in there, and how to be the adult, and as a parent, to be um, in charge of your children. Um, even as you were saying earlier, your mother came swooping in, telling you everything you were doing wrong. Um, But this is the point where you have to say, wait a second to yourself. My parents had their chance. They raised me. This is how I want to raise my children. And um, you want to have a meeting and say, Mom or Dad, uh, this is what you need to know. No double desserts. They have to have their naps. 
um, and be adamant because many things have changed since your parents raised you. That's the truth. (laughs) Right. Uh, This putting the baby to sleep on his back versus the stomach, uh, car safety issues. Um, So you want to bring all these things up with your parents. Uh, You know, it's kind of a trade-off. Putting up with your parents who may criticize you versus having the ideal babysitters and caregivers for your children because, let's face it, grandparents, like parents, have your kids' best interests at heart. You know, they're cheerleaders for the kids. Sure. Um, and they'll go to any lengths to be to help out, and or not all of them because that's a whole other issue about baby boomers who are still working. But for those grandparents who aren't, uh, they want to be with the grandkids. I was with a um, family, a couple who had a 15-month-old baby recently, and uh, the father said, oh, my mom gets on the train at 4.15 a.m. three times a week so I could get to my job at 7 a.m. He's a chef, and he has to be in at 7 I mean, this is incredible to me, but it really, I was, she does that? That's amazing. And his father babysits um, the other two days a week, but he's closer. He doesn't have to commute to be a, ba- uh, to be a caregiver. But that's the kind of lens that grandparents will go to. And um, That's what makes know, it so devoted. hard. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know that they love them, like, with all their being. Like, they love your kids just as much as you love them. And so that's what makes it more complicated and sticky. Because their their, their intentions are good. I have a question um, regarding when the grandparents come to your house and you have Mm -hmm. your rules. Is that different from when the kids go to their house? Where we used to joke that chocolate milk came out of the faucets at my mom's house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, they could have as much chocolate milk as they wanted. But that's that's kind of a grandparent prerogative, right? What that, happens at grandma? We always used to, like, the, the Vegas joke, what yeah. happens at grandma stays at grandma's. That's what kind of was came born out of my family. Is there a difference? Should we? Because we can't control what happens at their house, can we? Uh, probably not. I mean, you can control things like food allergies sure. or, uh, you know, intense sibling rivalry. Uh, those kinds of things, you you can, you know, tell your parents how to handle them. Um, but in terms of letting grandparents, you know, rules are made to be broken. And grandparents are going to break the rules, whether they're at your house or their own house. Um, and I think that comes with the territory and... You want to keep in mind that they're doing you an enormous favor. Yes. And uh, therefore, when they slip up in, in a parent's mind, um, you need to cut them some slack because they want to, you know, they want to romp around with your kids and get them riled up. And they may, that may be something you don't like. You don't want them jumping on the sofa, for example, because <laughs> it is dangerous. But um, you know, you you've 
got to give your uh, parents who are caring for your kids some kind of authority. Sure. You know, you you don't want them skipping naps. But, you know, if that happens because they were doing engaged in some very fun activity, you have to say, okay, this doesn't happen every day. Right. So with the average age being 50, according to the AARP, I mean, that's still working age. I wonder if that complicates things, too. I, I When doing some research and looking at a couple of blogs and stuff, I saw people that, like, their parents are still young and want, and have, like, lives of their own. And so, like, sometimes the, the people that I was reading about online were saying, you know, I, I would love for my, my mom to babysit, but she's always so busy, like, because she's got her own social things you know she's empty nester now like she she's done she's raised her kid she's ready to go (laughs) so you you don't want to um impose on grandparents uh you want to ask them you know can they do it do they want to do it um and not take it personally that they are still working i mean even the boomers who are in their 60s they're not retiring anytime soon. Right. And um, so after and, working and then, and then asking them to babysit at night, like they might be spent, <laughs> you know, my parents yeah, still do it. That's another point that if, if you have grandparents who are not working and they do want to babysit, you need to check in with them and ask them, is this too much? You know, are we overtaxing you? Um, you know, you might not even be aware of their limitations. You know, they only have, we all only have so much um, emotional and physical energy. So, you you know, if you have your uh, grandparents babysitting, you want to watch for signs that they may be getting worn out, and, you know, and not take advantage of a really good thing. Yes, for sure. When when we were going um, to Mexico, um, I think maybe for your sister's wedding, um, my parents were going to take the baby, but then she was she was big enough that it was hard to carry her, but she wasn't really a great walker. And I was concerned about, you know, the logistics there um, because, you know, my mom's little and the baby was big. So I was just like, um, you do have to sort of be careful not to over ask, right? Absolutely. You you want to do what's comfortable for your parents. You don't want to wear them out because um, they are babysitting. And for many, many of them who uh, worked, this is their chance to make up for the time they missed out raising you. And that's an aspect that's very important to a lot of grandparents, particularly fathers. They get a chance to do a do-over, and they get to raise your child um, and make up for everything they feel they missed out with you. Sure. And then does that affect the relationship? Let's say my dad worked, and then he comes in and he helps with my kids. That affects my relationship with my dad, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and in many cases, and in my research, it brings you much closer to your parent. 
you know, and parents you had difficulties with, a baby seem, a baby or a child seems to wipe those out all of a sudden. It's like magic. It's like a magic eraser. Yeah. You know, the, having a, uh, grandchildren just changes the relationship. Well, I know that once I had my first uh, born, I literally, my appreciation uh, for my parents was put to a whole new level. Like, I think I didn't appreciate my parents until I went off to college. But then when I had a kid, I realized the absolute sacrifice and that it's the hardest job in the world. And it, it drew me closer to them because, A, I saw how much they loved my daughter and wanted to spend time with them. But also, like, I just saw the impact of how much they did for me. And it, it brought it full circle. Oh, it, it absolutely does that. Another really key thing for parents to keep in mind when they have uh, grandparent caregivers is that this is a collaboration, this arrangement, um, and that you as a parent want to know if there's a problem that they saw during the day. Um, You want them to check in with you if something's questionable, should your allow your six-year-old to go play outside or go to a neighbor's house. Um, You don't want your parents making all the major decisions. Sure. Um, You know, that's kind of important because a grandparent can begin to feel, uh, particularly if if you're living together, grandparents, adult children, and grandchildren, um, they can become an authority figure, and then it can be very confusing um, and sticky for parents, but also confusing for the kids. Who do I listen to? Ah, oh, yes. yeah. So I cheer. <laughs> they listen to whoever whoever's going to give them the right answer. That you know how kids search out like who's going to be the yes man. <laughs> they they go to whoever's going to be the yes man. Exactly. So I wanted to get to this listener question because we did put things out there, and this is a very specific instance. So let me run it by you. Um, She says, my in-laws watch our toddler once a week, and we're grateful for the connection and the cost savings, but it's hard. The thing we hear most from them is, we've done this before. Um, So there are some requests and guidelines that don't get followed because they want to do things their own way. Um, She says, my most pressing question is, how do I manage expectations and boundaries and routines without causing strife or hurting feelings? And um, then she also says, when things go wrong, what's the best way to correct them? Hmm. Whoa, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, I think being respectful and how you... Um, tell grandparents that you don't want to do something a certain way. Um, stay away from you always and uh, you never and you don't listen to me. But maybe the best way to do this is to um, use the grandchildren. Um, you know it would be better for Jimmy and Susie if, you oh. try doing such and such. So take take uh, me out of the equation? Exactly. Do you um, suggest doing that, like a contract or is sitting down? I mean, it sounds so formal, but by saying, you know, here's what we expect because we don't want to over ask. 
and here's what you can expect from us. Um, I mean, I think maybe the communication needs to be up front. At least it, it needed to be up front in my situation. Yeah, you want you want to have. I don't know that you need a handwritten contract unless there are a lot of things that you want the parent to do. Um, or you think they may forget something. Mm-hmm. But I think talking about it will head off complications. You know, if you make your rules clear, um, a contract to me, a written contract to me, says um, you're my employee. Yeah, I might put people on their heels. Yeah, it's a little harsh uh, for parents. So, so that's how I would approach that. So um, somebody else was reaching out to me and was talking about, um, you know, a lot of families um, use one parent for a co- these days and the other, pa- the other, the in-law for the other days. So they they divide and conquer the week um, to, to cover off on, on the days that they need the care, um, the caregiver. What happens, um, w- one particular person was telling me about like, what happens when, your husband's like your mom lets your lets the kids watch too much TV, and then you're like, "Well, your mom uh, talks too much about religion." They they brought up oh, <laughs> they brought up religion, and so there's all these sticky situations where if you had the girl down the street, you could just literally be like, "All right, do not talk about X, Y, or Z," and um, they're only allowed to have. You, you could just be much more businesslike, and it, it's a different dynamic than. Uh, when it's your folks. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a different dynamic. Um, and what's happening there is really it's a competition between the sets of in-laws mm-hmm. or the sets of grandparents. And you want to figure out a way to stop the competition. Um, it's almost like it's Christmas and who can buy the bigger present. Uh-huh. It's very similar. And always have the spouse talk to his or her own parents. As the daughter-in-law or son-in-law, don't try to talk to your spouse's parents. Uh Because you don't know the best time to talk to them. You don't know how they're going to react as well as the son or daughter. And let them go in and say, look, we don't want to, you've got to stop talking about religion. You know, it makes us really unhappy. So that's a fair comment to make. That, like, if you or politics, if you will, politics, that kind of stuff. You'd be like, please, yeah, please don't. Also, uh, parents aren't. Nobody is a mind reader. It's not just parents and grandparents. No one's a mind reader, and you. They they may not have a clue. The grandparents that. Talking about religion is really upsetting you. They're not going to know that. Or they're not going to know that it's upsetting the other set of grandparents. Um, So when you have two sets of grandparents, uh, I would talk to them and go back to my point about it's a collaboration. Uh Say, look, we're all raising these children and these are our feelings, and this is what we hope you will do. Okay. Speaking of the collaboration and the um, in-laws and uh, relationships, uh, we had one listener <laughs> who said you know, she could talk for hours about this. Um, 
she wanted to know it it created a huge strain on her marriage because the the husband didn't step up and she didn't feel like she should be the bossy one to her in-laws or whatever. What do you suggest for navigating that as a married couple? You you said, you know, listen, you talk to your mom and dad, I'll talk to my mom and dad, and, and people have to... And then we'll circle back? Yeah, exactly. And you can even be as blunt as saying, look, this is really jeopardizing our relationship. You and I need to be a unified front and not allow our parents to um, get in the middle of our marriage, and that's what they're doing. Right, and in fact, with this listener, uh, they are now divorcing, so <laughs> that did happen. Uh, huh. It does happen, you, you know, and the best thing to do is to call it exactly what it is. As soon as you see it, as soon as you feel like there's a strain on your marriage because of one set of grandparents, you you need to figure that out. And if it's horrible, it may be time to get a real live paid babysitter. So what are the benefits of paying someone instead of relying on your your parents? You can bust them around, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't do with your with your parents. I mean you there you can write a contract. And there you can um, be very explicit in what you want. Um, But with parents, you can't do that. What are some of the common problems parents or grandparents in your practice and your research are you seeing? Is it it a matter of um, missed expectations? Is it just poor communication between adult to adult? Um, It's poor communication, the parents to the grandparents and not spelling out what you want, um, letting tensions build when, um, and it's like what we were just talking about, don't let your parents keep doing something over and over that so upsets you that you get to the point, as you said earlier, where you say to the grandparent, you can't babysit anymore. Yeah, don't let it get to the boiling point. I gotcha. Right. I remember when the kids were um, really, really little, like I was a complete sleep freak. Okay. Yes, she was. <laughs> I, I would be like protect in, in my family. My parents were like, oh, let them stay up later. They'll sleep in. And I was like, that's not how it works. It's like, and it, it and you know, I had like a schedule and I would like write it down and say, this is when they're napping or whatever. Like mostly when it was my only, I only had one, but um, it, it, definitely creates a dynamic and my mom was amazing and she she pretty much followed it sometimes she didn't but then sometimes i was just like ah screw it it's just one night like whatever like in the grand scheme of things i never used her as a regular everyday babysitter or be a cumulative like staying up every night or not or skipping a nap would have repercussions on me because i'm cleaning up the mess at the end of the day when i was coming home do you understand like so my experiences were more like here like this friday night that saturday night whatever so it it was but i can definitely appreciate <laughs> following well, rules and like bedtimes and oh it's fine they'll be fine yeah if it's not a regular thing let them get away with it i mean it, but agreed if it's, if it's constant then you have to say something because you 
in the end, grandparents are the ideal people to care for your children. I mean, nobody has their best interests more at heart. But there's another factor, and that's that they hold the family rituals and traditions, and they're the people who can tell your children stories about what you did as a child. Yes. They can repeat rituals um, as children get older. Uh, if grandparents have been involved in their growing up years, um, older kids have an extra shoulder to cry on or to complain about a parent. Um, you know, plus, grandparents are, you know, on top of building family bonds and being the glue that holds it together, um, they're building lasting memories for these kids that they're babysitting. Sure. Um, and I, I think that's really important when you're viewing the overall pattern of how your grand, how your parents are behaving as caregivers for your grandchildren. We've talked about this. Their be- grandchildren. We've talked about this before. In that it used to be that families were multi generational under one roof. Um, that's been true for ages, and in the in the past forty, fifty years, uh, less so. We have not taken care of our elders the way that many, many, many generations did. Um, and there's some value to teaching our children to value family and the older people, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's no question about that. And even if you're not living under one roof, um, as parents, you need to be respectful to your parents because your kids are watching. I mean, infants obviously aren't, but as they get older, they're watching. And how you treat your parents is probably how your children are going to treat you down the road. So it's important to be courteous and to not argue with your parents in front of your kids. And to listen to your parents when they're trying to tell you something. Uh, These are all lessons that your kids are absorbing. And also, uh, probably the key thing that we didn't touch on is to be appreciative. Sure. You definitely want to show your parents who are babysitting that you really, really value what they're doing for you. On the flip side of that, because I I do want to address the conflict, in the book of no, say mom or dad is doing something wrong in your mind. Yeah, I was going to say. In your mind. um, What's a good way to say, to set the boundaries? Hmm. Well, you can say, yes, I do have, I'll cover that in the book of no, but setting boundaries is key. And the way you can do that in a situation when a parent is doing something you don't like, um, you can say, Mom, Dad, I don't think you realize that what you're doing is really upsetting me because that takes, you know, it puts the onus on you. You're the upset person mm-hmm. um, because probably in nine out of ten cases, parents are completely unaware that what they're doing is um, causing you a lot of stress and conflict. And uh, if you can word it 
in that way. I don't think you understand or I don't think you know how much your behavior or how much um, what you do with my son or daughter is opposite of what I really was hoping you would do. So it's like the the old I feel statement, right? You know, you start right. with I feel this way because then you're not putting someone on the defensive. Exactly. You want them to listen to you and hopefully change their behavior. And when they don't, uh, for example, let's say um, your parents are always on your case about uh, how you... Um, how you put your kids to bed. They don't like it. Mm-hmm. And then you just say, you know, I know you don't like the way I put kids, the kids to bed, but this is the way I like to do it. And that kind of calls them uh, up short and gets them to focus on criticizing you. Or you can say, you make me feel as if I can't make my own decisions. Or I feel as if uh, you're judging me or you're judging everything I do. Uh, Because I don't think parents mean to do that all the time. They just don't realize they're doing it. Well, and now that we're parents, you love them so much and you do judge them, too, because you're trying to keep them safe. You're trying to teach them what you think is right. And so without even trying, you can um, you can criticize without without meaning to. Right. Exactly. And if you say, I really like the phrase, I don't think you realize what you're saying, you know, that what you just said really upsets me and makes me think I'm a kid and not an adult and that I can't make my own decisions or that my decisions are bad. Um, That often brings a parent up short and has them reconsider what they're doing. Well, as you said in the beginning, like raising kids today is completely different. The challenges parents today face with media and everything is completely different than it was back in 1972. (laughs) Uh Yes. I mean, you know, kids have so much more vying for their time and attention. I mean, what do you do with the cell phone and the iPad and and the computer and all the social media? They... I had a niece visiting. Her cell phone was never out of her hand for a week. Mm, yes. And I the struggle thought, is real, Susan. The struggle is real. <laughs> I said, you know what? This is not my problem. This is not my child. If she wants to have her cell phone at the dinner table, go ahead. Mm. But if it were my child, the cell phone would not be at the dinner table. For sure. Well, feel free to babysit for our kids anytime. <laughs> you can put the hammer down at my dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly at my dinner table. But uh, so, well, thank you so much, Susan. Um, this is definitely something where communication is key, and um, lots of people are using baby- their grandmas and grand or their moms and dads as babysitters. So. Um, this is all good things to like reflect not in the heat of the moment um, and not get into a back and forth with your husband about it um, when it's tense and just, you know, kind of marinate in it a little bit and then think of, and then when you're calm, go and talk to him. 
Yeah, and when it's tense, just remember all the little things the grandparents are doing that will be long remembered in your child's life. Right. Amen. Thank you so much, Susan Newman, social psychologist, author of lots of parenting and uh, grandparenting books. Um, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. So apparently um, there are lots of twists and turns in, in these relationships and making things work. But if you can make it work, it's so valuable. And, I, you know, when I got rid of my mom as nanny, um, it was just because I was I, I couldn't do it. But if I had been able to stick with it, um, think of the relationships that would have been built, right? So, Right, but they still have that relationship. It, it just wasn't like a nine-to-five relationship anymore, right. right? Right, for sure. And Susan did make me pause a little bit and, and think about... Um, I was thinking personally when my mom would watch the kids, even, you know, in the last seven years or so, the stories, she would tell stories about me and my sisters and the the fights we would get into or the nonsense, uh, silly stories. And my kids thought it was hilarious. And they'd be like, Mom, I heard that you... Auntie Sarah took the tooth out of your mouth with the Fisher Price drill bit, and I heard that you used to pull Sarah's hair or blah blah blah. And, and like, it makes them see you as a human, yeah. You know? And that makes them feel better about themselves too. Or telling stories about my grandpa, my grandpa who is no longer wasn't. They never had the um, opportunity to meet. So um, all those generational stories, you know. And when you're in the heat of it, folks, like I know it's it's sticky and stuff, but in the end. I'm I guess it's probably a benefit. It's it's a good thing to have those stories because who else is going to tell those stories? Absolutely. So we would love to hear from you about your grandparent babysitter experiences or, you know, um, anything else you have a question about. Give us a call at 331-704-0046. Like us on Facebook or uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We're looking for some feedback. Tell the grandparents in your life to listen to this, too. This might be beneficial for them, too. They'd be like, stock up. (laughs) (laughs) This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look easy.